Again, welcome to our VBS set here on this last Sunday in July. And speaking of VBS, we have our VBS missionaries that are with us in the room right now. Can you give a warm Calvary welcome to Blake and Nicole Aronson and their kids, Madeline, Quinn, and Paisley. Where'd you guys go? You're somewhere here. There you are in the back. We're excited from Kenya to the East Coast to California. Welcome, you guys. And we'll be hearing from them on this platform at the end of VBS uh, next Sunday. And, and speaking of missionaries, too, I want to give a quick shout-out to Chris and Susan Tweedy and their girls, Savannah, Ashley, and Sierra. I believe they're in here as well. Tweedies, are you here? Are you here? There you are right in the middle right there. So Tweedies, welcome to Calvary. They serve in Germany, and this is their last week with us before they head back. So, so grateful to be able to worship with you guys uh, here today. It's called VBS, Vacation Bible School. And how appropriate that this morning we get to talk about the Bible. I guess that's what we do most Sundays here. But we get to specifically talk about why the Bible matters. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for I stand alone on the word of God. The Wow, it's like, and I don't know if you should be clapping for yourselves, but, uh, but yeah, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. But is it the book for us? Take a look at this photo right here and just sit in conviction. <laughs> this is a photo of uh, what a lot of smartphones have now, which is keeping track of your online time on your phone. This is no joke. I couldn't have set this up any better. But during worship, my phone buzzed in my pocket. And I thought, oh, what's happening? And pulled it out. And it said screen time notification on my phone right in our service. So... As we look at how much time we spend on our phones and on our screens, how would that compare to our time in the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. It's getting really hot in here <laughs> right now, isn't it? It's convicting to think through how much time we spend in other things versus how much time we spend in the Bible. Why is that? Well, maybe for some of us, the Bible feels like an encyclopedia. The encyclopedia was first printed in the 1700s in Scotland. At its apex, the encyclopedia sold 1 million copies in 1910. Anybody have a set of encyclopedias and it's still in their home? Okay, you just dated yourself right there. The encyclopedia officially stopped printing physical paper hardbacks in 2010 because this little thing called the internet was taking the world by storm. And we had things like Wikipedia. Although you can still look it up encyclopedia online if, if you'd like to do that. You feel free after the service off of your screens. But for many of us, maybe that feels, uh, the Bible, why does it matter? It just kind of feels like an encyclopedia, something that was good for a season and a time, but now we live in the modern world. 
The B-I-B-L-E, is this the book for us? Why does the Bible matter? Maybe for some of us, the Bible feels like uh, the movie Schindler's List. Schindler's List was a 1993 movie by Spielberg that talked about the Holocaust in, in World War II. A beautiful film. But probably not a film that on a typical Friday night, you're like, you know what we should watch tonight? It's been a hard week. I just kind of feel like something light and airy. Let's watch Schindler's List. <laughs> it's intense. It's emotional. You feel like after you've seen it one time, you've seen it a hundred times. Is that what the Bible feels like? Well, the Bible's good, and, and, I, and I like enjoy it, and I've read it. But it's intense, and it's emotional, and it's long. And so it's not something that I gravitate towards on a Friday night. The B-I-B-L-E, is this the book for us? Why does the Bible matter? Maybe for some of us the Bible feels like flossing our teeth. We know we should do it. We know we should have more consistency in it. But we just kind of lack the motivation. How many of you, and I'm just going to sit, I'm going to convict myself right now. How many of you like do like a binge flossing right before you go to a dentist uh, appointment? (laughs) thinking that somehow we'll cover over the last six months. <laughs> Maybe that's how the Bible is for you. Before you're about to teach it or, or wherever you go, you do like a little binge reading. But it's hard for you to still feel motivated to be consistent in the word. What would the Apostle Paul say? Why does the Bible matter? Well, remember, as Paul is writing the book of 2 Timothy, he's in prison probably the most notorious prison in all of Rome. Perhaps he's even chained to a guard. And as he's writing his final words to his son in the faith, Timothy, one of the last things that he tells Timothy is this, the Bible matters. Yes, Paul would say, the B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. Why does it matter to Paul? It matters to Paul because he believes that the Bible is from God. It matters to Paul because he believes that the Bible has the unique place in our lives to change us, to transform us from the inside out. And Paul says the Bible matters to me because it equips me for the work and the purposes That God's called me to in his glorious kingdom. And so look at 2 Timothy. If you have your phone, this won't count as screen time. Look up 2 Timothy chapter 3, just simply verses 16 and 17. If you have your physical Bible, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let's read God's glorious word. Again, this is written by the Apostle Paul, one of his final words before his death. He says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. So good. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. 
And so as Paul writes about the Bible, we can say this is trustworthy. We can bank our lives on these statements here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So the Bible matters, as verse 16 tells us, because it's from God. It specifically says in the NASB version that the Bible is scripture. It's inspired by God. You may have a a different translation uh, that says that all scripture is God-breathed. I like that translation. Think closer maybe to the original language. The Bible is God-breathed. Now, in the scriptures, God's breath represented a couple things. One, the Holy Spirit, but also God's breath represented creation or being creative. And so when Paul says that scripture is inspired, it's God-breathed, what Paul is saying is that the Bible is created by God. Do you think about that when you open these pages, that this is from God, breathed out by God, using kings, royalty, simple fishermen, doctors, shepherds, and everything in between. God uses unique personalities. He uses unique people with experiences and backgrounds and passions. But ultimately what we find here in the scriptures was created, inspired, produced by God. God tells the prophet Jeremiah these words. He says, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Isn't that powerful? As Jeremiah is speaking, it's not Jeremiah just kind of stating his opinions like Fox News or CNN. No, this is from God. Jeremiah's words were inspired, put out by God. Now, you have to understand the context. As as Paul is saying these words, he's saying all Scripture. And he specifically talking about the Old Testament in this context to his mentee, Timothy. Why why do I think that? It's because that the, the New Testament wasn't fully compiled at this time. Now, 2 Timothy is one of the, the latest books written in the New Testament. But at this point, Paul is referencing the Old Testament. He's saying all Scripture, Old Testament, is God-breathed, inspired by God. So what this means is the Old Testament matters. Sometimes you do the the Bible in a year and and you get through a few books of the Old Testament and you're like, ugh, where is this going? All these tribes and names. I want you to know that every single name, letter in the Old Testament is God-breathed, inspired by him. It's there for a purpose. So Paul's referencing that. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, you see that he references that. He says, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And then verse 15, that from childhood you've known the sacred writings. That word sacred writings was a reference to the Old Testament. And so Paul is saying all scripture, the Old Testament, is God created, God breathed, inspired. And yet, 
I believe that Paul is also thinking towards the New Testament when he says these words. Look again at verse 14. It says, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you've learned them. Paul was very aware that the things that he was teaching Timothy were inspired by God, were God-breathed. In a, a different reference in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, You've received the word of God which you heard from us and accepted it on the word, not as the, on the words of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. All scripture, old and new, inspired, God breathed. So why does the Bible matter? Because it's from God. Think about that next time you open these pages on a Monday morning or a Wednesday night or a Saturday afternoon. You know, as Christians... We want to be careful. We're not worshiping the Bible. We're worshiping the God of the Bible. But at times in our attempt to, to go, oh, well, there's nothing special about these pages. It's the God that we worship. I wonder if we at times minimize just the power of what this book contains. My sister is a missionary in a Muslim nation. And some of her Muslim neighbors were shocked when they entered into her home and they saw her Bible on the floor. They're like, how can you let your holy book be on the ground where people walk? Our holy book is placed in, in, in these wooden areas set apart higher than us. How would you just minimize what you think is so important? And my sister was able to explain a little bit that we don't worship a book, we worship the Bible, I mean the God that is represented in this Book And it led to some beautiful conversations for her. And yet, I wonder if at times we're guilty. Maybe we don't throw our Bibles on the ground. But in our lives as followers of Jesus, we act like this. That the Bible is beneath us or we step over it in our lives. The Bible matters. It's created, inspired by God. Maybe this be something that's a reality in our lives. Amen? Amen. And then Paul goes on as he's talking to Timothy, some of these last words. He says this, the Bible matters because it has the power to transform your life. Look at the second half of verse 16. It says that the scriptures here are beneficial for teaching for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, Paul is using kind of some philosophy here. He makes a lot of lists here in the book of 2 Timothy. And those lists aren't meant to be comprehensive. Like, these are the only things that the Bible is useful for. But kind of in the style of rhetoric, he's saying, as I make this list, what I'm trying to say is the Bible's good for a lot of stuff. That's my translation. <laughs> The Bible matters because it transforms our lives. He lists these four ways. It says the Bible teaches us. 
It teaches us who God is, his nature, his character, his plan and relationship to us. How can we sing just a few minutes ago, you are good because of what the scriptures teach us, that God is good. And so it's useful for teaching, like what we're doing right now. The Bible also, Paul says, is good for rebuke, to challenge us. We wake up each day wanting to do our own thing, wanting to live our own self-absorbed ways. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9 talks about that, that, that in the end days there'll be people who love themselves. Even as followers of Jesus, we can get caught up in that tide. Waking up each day, today's about me. The Bible does this beautiful thing, God's inspired word, to rebuke us of selfish living and say that's not God's way. That's not his path. And as the scriptures rebuke us, they also restore us. Since the Bible is useful, beneficial for teaching, for rebuking, and it says correcting. That word also can mean restoration. So the Bible, as I look at it like a mirror and I, and I feel convicted by the words that I'm reading, it doesn't just leave me in a wallow of conviction. But no, instead, the scriptures and the truth from God even prop me up. Think about a lamp that fell off of a table and you slowly restore it back to its proper place. That's what the scriptures can do. They teach us, they convict us, rebuke us, and they restore us, they correct us, and they train us. How many of you are just diehard Olympic fans? You've already, you're all in. First weekend, you're in. Olympics. Da, 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 da. Oh, that's the Star Wars song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. All these athletes training for years and years for this moment. This is their chance. All the training boils down to this. The scriptures also provide us training. Training in what? Not an Olympic sport, but in righteousness. To look more like Jesus in our everyday public and private lives. This isn't an exhaustive list, but again, it's, these are four amazing things that the Bible does for us. Teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, trains us. In other words, it transforms us. 1,635 years ago, a man named Augustine lived. 1,635 years ago, this August, Augustine's life was completely changed. He was in a garden in Milan, Italy. Wouldn't that be a nice place to be right now? <laughs> he was in this place, his backyard in Milan, Italy, and he heard a little child's voice say, take up and read. He never understood where that voice came from, but he heard it as clear as you're hearing me now. Take up and read. Augustine's life up to this point was filled with I'll give you the PG version, was filled with debauchery. He was engaged, but had many, many relationships going on in his life. He was rich and yet totally unsatisfied. 
He later would write that his prayer before that infamous garden appointment was, God, make me pure, but not yet. (laughs) And then in this garden in Milan, Italy, he hears these words from a little child, take up and read. And he literally grabs his Bible, closes his eyes. Have you ever done this? Opens it and reads. You ever done that method before? God, I need something from you right now. Ezekiel. (laughs) (laughs) Augustine read Romans chapter 13. Specifically, he read these words. Let's behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or debauchery, not in strife and in jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Augustine read those words 1,635 years ago this August, and his life was transformed, completely changed. He took off the old sinful self, surrendered his life to Jesus, and the church benefited from this. The scriptures have the power to transform our lives. But it's not just from 1,635 years ago. It's also for our benefit today. The scriptures matter because they can transform your life. This is a photo of where? The chapel right across the courtyard from where many of us are sitting right here. It was about 12 years ago that I was preaching in this chapel to a group of high school students. It was a Wednesday night. Maybe even a few of you in this room were there or watching online were there. I was preaching on the Proverbs. And we were going through different topics of the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And on this Wednesday night in the chapel, the topic was to tell the truth. To walk in integrity and honesty and not lie. I believe, it's kind of fuzzy in my mind, but I think I was going over Proverbs 12, which, which says that a lying man is detestable but walk in integrity to honor God. As I was preaching those words from Proverbs to our high school kids, a youth pastor at the time, in the chapel right across the way, the Holy Spirit rebuked me, convicted me, challenged me. You see, there was something in my life that I hadn't thought about in about three years before that moment. Let me take you back even longer than that. So it was about maybe 13, 14 years ago. I was in seminary at Talbot School of Theology. (laughs) And I had a class on the Gospel of Luke. Can you imagine? What a privilege just to study the Gospel of Luke for an entire semester. It was awesome. As part of this class, I had to listen to about 25 hours of recorded lectures outside of the class. And as many students, even seminary students do, I waited until the last minute. (laughs) It was the final week of the semester, and I had about 22 hours of lectures to listen to. And I did my best, tried to crank out as many of those lectures online as I could, and I got about half of them done. Still more to do. 
and it was time for my final. So Talbot does this genius thing where uh, when you take your final, they ask you how much of the lectures did you listen to? Put a percentage down. It's on the honor system. And so as I thought through that question, this is one of your pastors, you guys. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I wrote 100%. <laughs> Here was my thinking. I thought, well, this is Tuesday of finals week. And finals technically doesn't end till Friday. So I'll just finish all the lectures before Friday, and then truly it is 100%, right? Ah, ah. <laughs> I wrote 100%. Well, I never finished the lectures. I got busy. Semester ended, got my grade, moved on. A couple years later, graduated from Talbot. And here I am preaching in the chapel to our high school kids on walking and integrity from the book of Proverbs. And I just got convicted. I stopped what I was about to say. And I said, hey guys, there's something in my life that needs to be confessed right now. I cheated in seminary. Your pastor. <laughs> they all laughed like you did. I think they thought it was probably like an analogy. Like, oh yeah, he's just doing this for like an illustration. I'm like, no, I really did. And I said, I want you guys to hold me accountable. I need to go make things right. And so I made an appointment with the dean of Talbot Seminary and walked in, said, my name's Matt Doan. I'm a pastor at Calvary Church. No, I didn't say that part. <laughs> Actually, I probably did. said, I cheated in the gospel of Luke. And we worked it out, reduced my grade. Huge weight off my shoulders as I walked out of that room. That's God's word. It's just one example. But that's God's word. That's the power it has to transform our lives. Literally reading a proverb on a Wednesday night to high school kids. And God stops me in my tracks and says, go deal with this. God will transform you for his good purposes when you read and digest his word. D.L. Moody once said this, the Bible will keep you away from sin. Or sin will keep you away from the Bible. Around that same time, Billy Graham said this, While other books inform, some books reform, this one book transforms. So good. So my question to you is, will you allow the Bible to transform your life? Here's some ideas. Everyday life ideas. Tape note cards with Bible verses and, and tape them to your bathroom mirror. Place scripture on sticky notes on the console of your car. Make your phone a screensaver, a verse from the word. Hand out sections, hand write out sections of the Bible in a notebook or on 8 by 11 pieces of paper. Listen to the audio Bible as you drive to work. Read the Bible early in the morning or late at night. Read the Bible on your lunch break. Read the Bible out loud with your spouse or your kids. Read the Bible over your phone with grandma or with your grandkids. Memorize passages of scripture. Keep them close to your heart and your mind. The Bible matters because it has the power to transform. And then Paul says in verse 17, 
The Bible matters because it equips you for the purposes of God. Verse 17 specifically says, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped. That word equipped means formed, completed. So you may be formed, capable, equipped for every good work. Think of your life as a DIY project. And you need the proper tools to live out the purposes of God. The scriptures are your toolbox. Now, a little disclaimer. We don't ask a cardiologist to look in the book of Deuteronomy as he's doing surgery. (laughs) We're not saying that the Bible is a roadmap for every single domain and discipline. But what Paul is saying here is the Bible will allow you to sync with God's heart and purposes and will as a cardiologist, as an accountant, as a stay-at-home mom, as a junior high student. The Bible has the power to equip you for God's purposes. One time I had a hospital call. They needed a pastor to pray with somebody. And it was a kind of of out-of-nowhere call, got in my car, ran to the hospital, found the room, walked in, and the family's gathered around their loved one who is suffering and maybe even has moments to live. They say, oh, good, pastor, you're here. Will you give us some scripture? (laughs) I didn't come equipped. I made a pact with the Lord right then and there that I would never go on another call without having scripture ready and prepared to be life-giving to those that are so desperate for life-giving words. Going through life without scripture, it's equivalent of trying to put out a fire with a squirt gun. There's just no power. Will you allow the scriptures That God breathes scriptures that will transform you to also equip you for God's good purposes. Came across this ancient Puritan quote. I just love it. It says, let God's word not only inform you, but inflame you. Will you allow God's word to give you passion to live for him? To live out his good will and purposes for your life. Maybe you're a life group leader. Will you allow God's word to inflame you? Maybe you're an IT technician. Will you allow God's word to inflame you? Maybe you're a nurse. Will you allow God's word to inflame you? Maybe you're a retiree. Will you allow God's word to inflame you in all the places that God sends you? Amen? Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for us. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you've given us your word, your heart. You've revealed to us your nature, your character through the pages of these scriptures. God, forgive me and forgive us for flippantly looking at the Bible as something that's ancient, 
or for another time or for tomorrow. God, may you allow your word to inflame us as we live in mission and purpose for you. Thank you, Jesus, for working and moving in our lives even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.